This is a total revolution of how we think through knowledge, how we make knowledge, how we create knowledge. And for that, it should really serve to have all of ourselves ask questions. What is that I expect of students? What is the world that they're going to live in? And what can I do to help these students live in that world? This is the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University. My name is Jared Piles and with me is Dr. Robert McDowell. We are continuing our series on generative AI. We're looking at generative AI applied specifically. We've talked to a number of different people who are experts in the field, just walking through with them how they have incorporated generative AI into their everyday teaching, their planning, or administratively what they're doing or how they're advising other administrators to Mm do. Uh, We've talked with some great people and we're continuing that today, a return guest that you had on before. Correct. uh, An associate professor of communication studies at Hollins University in Virginia, Dr. Vladimir Bratic. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. So when you and I talked last, uh, Dr. Bratic, um, you emphasized three areas of crossroads of AI and education. And I'd like to just start us off there again. One was critical thinking, the other content delivery, and uh, the focus on the future of work for our students. Those were the three areas that we really discussed in our last episode together. Um, And I'm just curious, how have your ideas about these three areas changed? Are they the same? What's different for you since the last time we discussed these things? Well, I think what's what we're seeing right now, it's now a year into the use of the uh, chat GPT primarily, and now some diversifications of different LLMs and a better integration in the everyday applications. So we are now seeing uh, that it's kind of budding in and getting into our daily lives by being embedded in applications that we use daily. And so now we kind of are no longer uh, free to make uh, a decision about whether we want to use it. It is sort of coming to us and it's begging us to use it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's how a lot of, again, from the technological standpoint, this is how innovations actually become most useful once they sort of normalize themselves beyond this uh, flashy thing. Once they become sort of, there's a, you know, a, a scholar, Clay Shirky, who says, when, they, when the innovation becomes useful are when they become a bit boring. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we are quite there with ChatGPT, is, but when uh, innovation normalizes itself, that it's no longer seen as something flashy, but a daily experience, now we can start thinking about the useful ways of how we're going to incorporate them. And I think those three things that you mentioned are, are good things to be thinking about. I think it's good to be focusing on professional work um, and how that is going to change. I think it's good for us to be thinking about educational institutions and uh, uh, creative, uh, creative thought and critical thinking. Uh, how that is going to change. And the third one that you said, content delivery, that's that I that's the part where I'm most skeptical about. 
Namely because I think that we now talking strictly about education and higher education, we haven't quite adapted well of how to use other internet based things into the content delivery. Uh, so I think there's still room for us to grow in incorporating internet into mm -hmm. a content delivery method. Yeah. So I think we're still lagging behind in terms of using things like videos and YouTube. So I think we're lagging behind how much we use podcasts. I think we're still lagging behind with how much we use social media and the authors that we read, how much if we're actually following them on socials. So I think in terms of content delivery, I still there's room for non non-generative uh, AI uh, internet-based applications to have an impact on on teaching there. That's still room. Now we can talk about what does it mean for professional life and for, I think the biggest impact is going to be in a professional work and an educational setting. Can you identify some of the boundaries that you think exist that are keeping um, ChatGPT or generative AI in general to be incorporated more? So, Again, if you talk about academia and if you talk about educational settings, there's quite a few boundaries. And again, these are not, this is all, this is expected to get normal. And it's not, it is not a huge surprise to anybody who studies adoption of new technologies. Like we've talked about, you know, there's these diffusion of innovation theories from the 60s and 70s. We, we know how these things happen if you study them. Some of the constraints here are going to be on the professor side. It's a rather new revolutionary technology that threatens a couple of things that uh, does not make us does not make us uh, uh, comfortable, right? It threatens the very essence of what knowledge is. It threatens the very essence of authority, and it kind of asks people to change and shift the things that we are pretty good at. It kind of asks that it, that these things that we knew how to do and were well, uh, we were doing it well in the classrooms. We are kind of it's asking us to kind of rethink how we go about teaching them. So those are, I, I guess, the three biggest things. First of all, there's going to be hesitancy about anything that is new, that presumes that you're going to have to kind of re-educate yourself. You know, how does this thing work? How do I use it? Do I know how to use it? So if professors are not going to do anything in a classroom that they're not quite well capable of and know how to do it. So that's the first obstacle. You have to make professors play with it at home, at their own, become comfortable. Then they will bring it out of class. They will not want to be in an uncertain position. We can think about this. We are... We are the people in the class. We are on top of the class. We like to be in control. We don't want unpredictable situations. We want all that. Inviting ChatGPT in means that oh, all of a sudden I'm not the main focus of this. You know, it can go a bunch of ways. It can go different ways. It it might know more than I do. All these things are kind of, you know, things that are going to be uh, providing some hesitancy for people to bring to class. I've been doing a deep dive for the last three years for my dissertation on diffusion of innovations. And if, if, if I would have chosen my topic six months after I did, it would be definitely related to open AI because I didn't have it. It wasn't even in that stage when I started. So like imagine just six months later, but when you're talking about DOI, it hit something for me because, you know, you talk about adoption of an innovation, you have to have this element of trialability where you're able to try it out, like you said, and 
the evolution of this of generative AI, especially ChatGPT, is so rapid that we're not able to keep up with the ability to trial it first before we adopt it. There, there's a lot out there that is soon is going to stand in the way of us doing it, and it. it I, but at the same time, we're the ones who understand. Like, you know how innovations work theoretically. You mm -hmm. know to teach it now. Understand it that you might need to apply it to yourself and your own personal life, and you know open yourself up. This this is just requires a lot of humility. It requires a lot of kind of openness, and we should be the ones. We we do have those characteristics. That's what we are trained for to be able to kind of shift on a dime if situation presents itself. And I think this is definitely the situation that requires a complete shift and rethinking about how we do pedagogy. Well, I want to go back to something you said earlier in the first uh, your first answer to my question. You had mentioned several different LLMs, so I'm just curious, what LLMs are you using now, and which ones do you find most beneficial for personal use or even teaching? Have you, have you noticed a difference, and are you using different ones? I've primarily stuck with the whatever, uh, you know, I started with the ChatGPT, and then I just watched it being embraced into the Bing search, and then let, then saw that convert into this thing that's called a co-pilot. So now all the Microsoft software is quite capably and quite well integrated with a chat GPT sort of engine on that back end mm -hmm. that kind of pops into a window of any of any uh, Microsoft program. So you can open a co-pilot in a PowerPoint and have it do a uh, design your slides. You can have a co-pilot in a Bing engine and have it do a slides. You will, you can have a co-pilot in a Word document and have it edit your papers in there. So I think that's the most useful way. And it's sort of, again, on, on my media side, I hate the idea of corporations merging and becoming bigger and more mightier and, you know, less accountable. But on the other hand, it's kind of neat that this Microsoft thing that we use on our computers now is just become enable now just kind of welcome the chat gpt and we don't even talk about chat gpt as a sort of backhand thing that runs in the back but now it's called the co-pilot i've i kind of experimented the chat gp the co-pilot is now actually embedded with dolly so that's an image generation mm -hmm. so i think more and more of those kind of things are going to kind of be happening for the users they're going to end up getting combined so that to make uh users not having to switch multiple different places. I'm told by the, the, the students and, and my kids that they use AIs within the apps that they're using every day. Apparently, Snapchat has its own AI. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, how good that is or what's happening there. But I think AI is going to be, we're not going to have to go search for it. Mm -hmm. It will be embedded in a daily things that we do. And so it's, projecting the future and I think it will just be interrupting our daily lives. I think it's going to soon be integrated into Alexa or Siri like uh situation and I don't I mean I can completely see the toaster in the next couple of years is gonna probably run on some kind of AI and your fridge is gonna become smart and your dishwasher might have it too. So I think these things are going to uh in, embed themselves in situation with us and they will not give us an option with it to use them or not. Wow. Fridge GPT. There you soon. go. You, your milk is going bad. Please replace your milk. <laughs> the technology is already quite capable. 
it will actually do all those things for you. It will tell you the date of expiration, how much of it in, and it will actually send a reminder to your phone when it sees that you are in a grocery store to pick up milk. I need to just order my groceries for me and deliver them. That's all I want. <laughs> so th again, that also is quite, you know, we've lived through COVID, so you've seen how that yeah. happens. So all yeah. this is actually still, it's, it's out there, it already exists. Yeah. Well, I know we've had um, we've had some different guests on. I think uh, I've heard several different ways folks are using it. I think one that was very interesting to me was somebody who told it to look at a menu. They gave a picture of a menu and then told it to um, provide, uh, produce a catering order for 15 people and then make sure that all of the recipes or all of the orders didn't didn't have like nut allergies or yeah, things like with two two people are lactose intolerant two people have nut allergies and um, it and change the catering order and it did it yeah so i think we're going to see a lot more of that i do agree with you um as uh i think it's going to be interesting to me to see how we go in terms of education we're already starting to see some things here um you know we're we're playing with bots inside of our classes and we probably be by the time this airs, we'll probably have already done that and tested it. And so we're running into all those issues. Uh, it's been pretty quick to get to market, so to speak. But I'm curious, are you doing anything like that? Are your colleagues, are they doing anything? So this is going to be a, a first semester in which I and some of my colleagues are going to actually start doing it more systematically. Uh, so far in the previous semester, it was more uh, sort of anecdotal and here is when I would use it. Now, because I'm already, uh, if I'm actually planning a new prep, uh, I don't know if it's a new course that I'm teaching, I already now envision and think to run that course completely differently. So I think a lot of people are going to get into implementing chat GPT or just generative AI with the, with the new courses, while the old courses are going to be slower to kind of adapt there. So what I've, I, I'm doing a lot of things, but I think it's useful to, to think about here is, uh, it's not necessarily to think about like, well, we have a really flashy app that can do things for us. And let's let's now try to train faculty how to use this app. It's not like a PowerPoint. It's not like it's not like apps that were doing something partial with our schooling and with our pedagogy. This is a total revolution of how we think through knowledge, how we make knowledge, how we create knowledge. And for that, it should really serve to have all of ourselves ask questions. What is that I expect of students? What is the world that they're going to live in? How can I anticipate that world? And what can I do to help these students live in that world? And if you ask those questions, I'm pretty sure the one thing that is outdated is this transfer of information mm. uh, uh, kind of teaching and pedagogy. There is simply no room for people to sit in front of the classes and read chapters at them, have a, a, a book with 15 chapters and take each chapter one by one and then recite what's in those chapters. I, I can't see people asking these questions and going back doing the old model of schooling education. Mm. I can't think of like, here's a chapter, why don't we all read it? What do you think about that? 
that model of education that served us well for quite a long, that I myself took part in, mm-hmm. should no longer be the way that we we do this. Again, I, we talked about this last time. We poorly adjusted to the impact of the internet. We took forever to embrace Google search and Wikipedia. What Google search did for data and information is democratize data information. ChatGPT and generative AI is going to do the same for knowledge. It's going to democratize knowledge and it will allow us to do something different to the knowledge. So we should be the one on the cusp of learning how to handle this. Imagine being there and saying, and and when when Google was democratizing all this information and how long it took us to sort of embrace that. Let us not take that long to embracing ChatGPT because it can help us think through, it can help us think with, it can help us create in a in a different way, in a better way. And we should be asking ourselves, how can we now do things with it to actually get to that place in which we are co-creating cobotics, we're co-creating with apps, new knowledge. And what does that mean? So those kind of questions will prevent people from doing transfer information kind of teaching. You can simply no longer go back. Cobotics. That's a cool term. I gotta write that down. Did you just come up with that on your own? Oh no, this is this is it's just a term. It's been sort of the people the, the that I read and I follow kind of been threatening with this thing. That <laughs> the idea is that you know that's the future going to be. We'll have to adjust to. We'll live alongside bots and robots, and they will be helpful to us. We will make new things. We will learn to co- to exist with bots. And so that's what I was trying to write in the paper as well, like teaching students how to coexist with bots, how to make robotics and generative AI enhance their thinking, enhance their paper, help them think how to think. Mm. All those things ChatGPT and generative AI can do for us. And what I've been doing for the last 10 years before AI, I was really, I changed my teaching. I was, I was basically teaching students how to think through problems from from ground up. We do the scaffolding method that you probably are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that changed a lot. Now I'm going to do all of these things alongside of AI. So I'm going to take all of my critical thinking steps and I'm going to enhance them by saying, here's how you can critically think alongside GPT. Here's how it can enhance your research. Here's how it can ha- enhance your analysis. Here's how it can enhance your contextualization. Here's how you can enhance your dialectical thought. These are all the things that I used to do just kind of on paper without without tech. Now I'm going to use, I'm thinking about the prompt so you can plug into JetGPT and say, uh, can you help me generate a question? Uh, give me a list of 10 most important events that inform this technology. Can you compare source A and source B and tell me what might be the points of agreement there? Where do they disagree? Can you give me, uh, can you look at this text and the source and help me evaluate bias? Like what, what kind of, what can, what can I, so these are the things that I use at a research level. This is what the library does, what they used to do yeah. in library sessions. Now, all of these things can be done with a AI assistant. And it's just a matter of, of a click or a type, or now it's going to be voice to voice to um, all the, the latest GPT is actually voice generated. 
So we will have these assistants that will be able to help us at almost every single stage of critical thought. Mm. But it requires this, the professor to say, now I'm a assistant teaching students how to think critically rather than I'm going to teach you communication studies. Wow. That's why I'm saying it's a, it's a shift in pedagogy. That's a big shift. If you go back to the old SAMR model of technology integration, it goes, it skips substitution, augmentation, modification, and goes straight to redefinition. You're redefining every single task that you are doing in the classroom with technology now. We are not quite aware of the monumental change this is yeah. about to produce for us. We're, we're not ready for it. And once you get in, there is nothing but like, okay, wow, this is huge. This is, this is not your, this is not your, like a, a radio to television switch. This is not your TV to uh, a website switch. This is fundamental switch. It's not standard to high def TV switch. No, yeah, it's definitely not. It's not, this is not just a better screen. It's not just 4k. <laughs> no, no, no. So that's what I'm saying. So, and I think once people understand how monumental switch it is, people are going to say, oh, okay, let, let's, let's do something different. Let's say you've got a listener that we have that has heard you say this and they want to get started, but they have no clue where to start. What are the f initial steps that you would do for someone to get used to it or acclimate into using generative AI into their curriculum? So the first thing is the simplest thing that we do on a daily basis. We use the browsers to get through just, just regular ties. We browse every day on our phones and our computers for things. So that's the first thing. Just kind of a, a get adjusted to the fact that AI is now doing these things. Uh, and then do the same similar thing for your Bing search. Make sure that you know how to open the, the sort of co-pilot window. And be, I would say, just kind of get familiar with, and this is kind of the, the most obvious and hardest thing. The questions that we all linger and have in our heads, especially if you're a generation like us, a little bit older, that we've just kind of used to having questions in our head. You know what's really useful? Don't have it in your head. Put it in the AI. Hmm. It is amazing how these simple things that you're asking yourself and you just always just ask yourself and that went nowhere because you didn't have capability of answering this thing. If you put those kind of questions into an AI, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm actually doing research. Mm -hmm. So these general instincts that if you, if you are a little bit older that you have asking yourself and trying to figure out how do I find this, don't ask yourself, ask the assistant, just kind of like things that pop in your head and you say, Hmm, I wonder if, don't wonder, put it in a search. And for our younger listeners, and because I have younger kids, they already do these things. For the younger kids, there is no moment of wondering. Mm. To them, anything that is not known is shouted at Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> so they're already kind of, they're already better equipped to handle this thing. Because yeah. they will always, you know, growing up with Alexa, they will always know how to handle this. So they are, for us who are a little bit older, we have to kind of adjust the saying, all these moments, moments of wonder are actually somewhere, can be answered somewhere really quick. And with a lot of voice integrated stuff, you might be able even to kind of get these kind of uh, answers done here. And this to some people that I uh, uh, talked to was like a revolutionary thing. It's like, oh my goodness. Like they have like, what do I ask a chat GPT? Like, what is it good for? 
And I said, did you try to ask that very same question? Mm. And then when they did, they started having conversation. And then all of a sudden, like, it's this kind of void that we are having conversation within our head, all of a sudden comes to life. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that you can ask these questions and you get this feedback. So that's my first uh, piece of advice for somebody who wants to kind of just go in. Uh, familiarize yourself with it. Uh, accept it. <laughs> Don't fight it. <laughs> There's no going back. Mm. It's not going to uninvent itself. It is a definite thing that is going to be in our... And then see where do you find it useful and where do you find it lacking. Mm. Here are the things that I really thought like that recipe, that was pretty good. But when I tried to do this, it didn't do it, right? And then ask yourself, you know, what else, what else can I do? What is useful to you? If you're an educator, ask questions of how do I serve a student who in five years is no longer dealing with course book 10 chapters, but is in a real life situation and has to solve problems. How do I prep that student to think through problems, having all these tools available to them? There is no boss in 2030 who is going to have, can you do this thing, but you cannot use Google search. Can you use these things and you cannot use JetGPT. All the bosses in the world are going to be saying, hey, use the editing tool and da, 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 and produce me this. Hey, go on, shoot that video or get those pictures for me. Make sure to touch it up by Midjourney or Dolly. So that's the world that our students are going in. We, we have responsibility to meet them, to kind of prep them for that world. So if you're an educator, learn how to use ChatGPT, what the benefits are, incorporate it in your teaching. I think we should have you back on for a third time. All right. But after the semester is done, so you can give us your, some of your um, impressions from students and in, uh, incorporating uh, generative AI into your uh, curriculum. It looks like by the end of the semester, I might be the co-host of this. The way hey, right now. <laughs> wow. Special guest. I mean, if you want that title, we can, we can bestow that upon you, but <laughs> I'm not sure you want that. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Vladimir Bratic from Holland University. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu and be sure to follow our blog, cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog. Thank you so much for listening.